And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Talking the Le'Veon Bell release, the Minnesota Vikings backfield, and the Chargers surprisingly fun offense on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Welcome to Fantasy Football in 15 for Wednesday, October 14th. Week 5 totally in the books after the Titans' big win over the Buffalo Bills. Titans still one of the few remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. A great way for that team to get back on the field. I am Michael Beller. I am joined here by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Doing really well. It was weird seeing football on a Tuesday night. Hopefully we don't see it again for a long time, but it was good to see the Titans back in action given the magnitude of the COVID breakout that they've been trying to work through now for the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely good news there, and hopefully that's something that can stay on the tracks, not only with the Titans, but with the Patriots and the 30 other teams in the NFL as well. And, uh, you know, something we're not going to see uh, ever again, Derek Le'Veon Bell in a Jets uniform. This one coming out of nowhere on Tuesday night. Uh, we already had, had heard the trade rumors surrounding Le'Veon Bell after he liked a series of tweets that criticized Adam Gase's usage of him, including one that said the Jets should trade Bell. So maybe it shouldn't have come as a huge surprise that they were shopping him or looking to trade him. It still did come as a pretty big surprise that the team outright released him on Tuesday night, so Le'Veon Bell now looking for a new football home. Multiple teams are going to be interested in Le'Veon Bell. The Bears are a team that certainly comes to mind with the Tariq Cohen injury and David Montgomery not quite taking off for them. Maybe the Chargers with Austin Eckler potentially being out for the rest of the season, and even if not for the rest of the season, for definitely a big chunk of time here. You can see the Arizona Cardinals getting involved on Le'Veon Bell with the Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds backfield that they've got going there. Teams are going to be interested. Someone's going to sign him. Do any of them jump out to you as a better spot than others for Bell? The more I've thought about it, the more I think the Bears might be the ideal landing place. I think the fact that Tariq Cohen is gone for the season, that opens up a role that David Montgomery is just not ideally skilled to fill. I think you could make an argument that Le'Veon Bell is a much better replacement for that Cohen role, even though speed-wise they are very different players at this stage yeah. of their respective careers. I think the other question, though, with Bell is, do teams who have a need at running back view him as a clear-cut volume guy that we thought he was going to be going into his time with the Jets? I mean, last season, 245 carries, 66 catches. He was over 300 total touches in 15 games. He wasn't efficient with those touches, which raises some questions about just how good he is at this stage of his career. But will he get that kind of usage anywhere? I mean, if he goes to New England, a crowded backfield there, is he clearly better then Sony Michelle and James White and Damian Harris and the guys that they've been kind of building around and Rex Burkhead, they've made it work with that group. 
do they see Bell as a clear-cut upgrade, and is he a guy that comes in and, and gets 20 touches a game relatively quickly? I mean, we think about running backs learning a new system really quickly, and I think Bell can certainly pick it up and have a role almost immediately. I mean, think about Kenyon Drake last year going from Miami to Arizona, had one of his best games of the season the first week that he got there, and it was a short week. It was a Thursday night game, I think, against San Francisco when we saw the Kenyon Drake that we were all hoping for last draft season. So it's a, a long, long way of saying I'm still not convinced Le'Veon Bell is a true feature back anymore, but there might be just the right opportunity in a place like Chicago where he will get a workload comparable to what he was getting with the Jets, and the efficiency might tick up even just a little bit because the line in New York last year was horrible. Even if you don't think Bell has a lot left in the tank, offensive line play was a major problem in front of him a year ago. Yeah, that's definitely true. I would worry a little bit about volume. You know, you think you get away from the Jets and automatically that's a good thing. But in a lot of the situations that we're going to be looking at Bell potentially being in and then maybe the one that he ultimately does land in, it could be a sneaky bad thing because as bad as this Jets team has been, as bad as the offense has been, as in over his head as Adam Gase looks again this season, and as bad of the relationship as Bell had with Gase, at least volume wasn't a question. We saw that in week five, his first game back after missing three with a hamstring injury, a game that they lose by 20 to the Cardinals, and he still got 13 carries, only one target, but he did run 25 routes. That was always going to be in the cards for him with the Jets, and that might not be the case no matter where he lands. I agree with you. I think the Bears could be a very good landing spot because of the fact that David Montgomery just hasn't taken off. David Montgomery has been effective enough for the Bears, and they really have been trying to turn him into a workhorse over the last two weeks. Uh, It was week four, the first game the team played without Tariq Cohen. He was second in the NFL among running backs that week in a route run this past week, week five. I guess uh, as we're recording this, we don't have the numbers on uh, Titans and Bills, but going into that game, uh, he was also second in routes run for this week behind only Alvin Kamara. So they're really trying to get him in that role. And I would think at the very least, if they went after Le'Veon Bell and signed him, that you would see Bell play a big part of the passing game. The thing with Bell is like he's not right, he's not gonna be Tariq Cohn. He's not gonna be Naheem Hines. He's not gonna be a guy who is limited to passing down work only. You're gonna get him work as a runner as well. The one team I would throw out that maybe I could see being interested and the one that I would think would be an obvious upgrade from where he was with the Jets. And again, that Jets is because it was volume based and we have to assume right now he's going to lose some volume no matter where he goes, but I think would be worth it. It's maybe the Kansas City Chiefs, Derek. I mean, I could see them getting involved. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been the explosive piece that they hoped he could be. Le'Veon Bell, one thing that's always been true about him, very good in pass protection. You know he can stand up and protect Patrick Mahomes. He can leak out and be a dangerous guy in the backfield. That would be a very interesting landing spot. And something else we should say before you get with your reaction, and then maybe going to the Chiefs. Anyone who has Le'Veon Bell out there, do not cut him. He is going to land on an NFL team eventually. Yeah, I would want to just see where he goes. I mean, he could end up in a bad enough situation where in shallow leagues you could think about it, but the possibility, even if it's only a 5% or 10% chance that he goes to a place like Kansas City, that's worth holding on to. That makes him a great flyer because just think about how excited you are about anybody getting a decent number of touches in that offense. I think the long-term relationship between Andy Reid and LaShawn McCoy, always kind of bringing back that that veteran back when he gets the opportunity. 
Makes you think there could be a fit there. It would take some of the pressure off of Edwards Hilaire. Doesn't mean that they wouldn't go back to Edwards Hilaire as their primary back going into 2021. Uh, but I do think Le'Veon Bell could be a great fit there, even as like a 15-touch-per-game sort of player. He'd probably be in lineups on a regular basis, given how explosive that Kansas City offense is. All right, one more thing we should look at is the backs left behind in New York. I have no interest in Frank Gore. You could tell me he's getting 25 carries a game the rest of the season. I'm not interested in Frank Gore. The one guy who I am interested in here is LaMichael P. Ryan, and the reason being is that he could be a game breaker, right? He could be a difference maker in a fantasy context. There is a very real chance that LaMichael P. Ryan is RB70 for the rest of the season from this point forward. But if someone in that Jets backfield is going to be an RB2 from this point forward, it's him. I will definitely be making claims on him this week. He just makes so much more sense. If you're going to test a back out as a replacement for Bell in terms of workload, P. Ryan's the guy because there's a chance that P. Ryan is your starter in 2021. There's pretty much no chance that Frank Gore is your starter in 2021. Yes. So use the remaining part of this dumpster fire season as the valuable currency that it is for player development and give LeMichael P. Ryan those opportunities. So in leagues where he's available, he's an immediate ad for me just because of the possibility of P. Ryan sort of absorbing the volume that we thought was previously going to go to Bell. Uniquely strange 2020 season gets even more uniquely strange with the release of Le'Veon Bell. Very interested to see where he lands. And of course, as we just said, LaMichael P. Ryan suddenly now a big flashing green light on our fantasy football radar. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Dalvin Cook left that heartbreaking Sunday night loss to the Seattle Seahawks with a groin injury. The Vikings uh, aren't officially ruling him out just yet for the Week 6 game with the Falcons, but they're already hinting at it, so hard to imagine they would push him, especially when you factor in that they have a Week 7 bye looming. So they sit him down for this week, they get him the bye, and now you're looking at three weeks of rest before a potential Week 8 return for Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison, 
should already be rostered in every single league, even before the injury, certainly after the injury. That is going to be the case. An easy start. He'll have RB1 potential against the Falcons in Week 6. But the interesting thing here to me is maybe an Alexander Madison trade. Let's say you are sitting at 1-4 and four or 2-3, and three and you need a win this week. What would you be willing to give up to get Alexander Madison, knowing that it might just be one week before Ed Dalvin Cook, one game you get to start in before Dalvin Cook returns? I guess this is a bit like the Mike Davis discussion we had yeah. yesterday, where the shelf life for the workload is so short that you got to give up something of value, but not overpay at the same time. So I think you're talking about maybe kind of a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, or uh, I think in the challenge trade scenario we talked about with McCaffrey, you know, maybe someone who's going to have more future value for the short-term boost. Chase Edmonds was the example we threw out there. I think it's the same kind of mindset, really, if you're trying to add Madison. And, you know, after Cook comes back, maybe you take Madison, if you're the team that acquired him, and try to send him to the team that has Delvin Cook, just so they have that that built-in handcuff on the roster. You see exactly where I'm going. I wonder what it would take a Dalvin Cook rosterer who doesn't already have Alexander Madison to get him this week. And I don't even know if I would be interested in going after him this week as someone uh, who had Dalvin Cook just because you're probably going to pay a king's ransom. That person who has him thinks that they've got you right where they want you, and it might not be worth it, especially if you're comfortable rolling the dice and betting on Dalvin Cook returning in Week 8. Let's be honest, too. If you have Dalvin Cook through these first five games of the season, unless the rest of your team is a disaster, you're probably in a decent spot in your standings where you can afford to lose him for a week, have him have the bye, and then if he comes back in week eight, you're already in decent shape. So if I were someone in that position, if I had Dalvin Cook on teams, and I do have him on some teams where I unfortunately do not have Madison, as long as I am not buried in my standings, I am okay waiting it out. However, when Dalvin Cook does come back, that's when I would circle around to that Alex- Alexander Madison manager and see what I could get him for, assuming that the utility now for Alexander Madison for that person is gone. That's what I would be looking at uh, with Dalvin Cook on my teams. Um, we do have another injury to talk about from Monday night. That belongs to Keenan Allen. He has back spasm. Uh, only played uh, the first quarter, part of the second quarter of that game. Had uh, two catches for 29 yards and a touchdown in the Chargers' loss to the Saints. They have a bye in Week 6, so hopefully it is something that can get cleaned up for Allen. He can return in Week 7. But I want to talk about this Chargers offense to wrap things up here, Derek. Very interesting game for this team against the Saints. And let's remember, this is a Saints defense that after this game, including that game against the Chargers, still ranks 6th by Football Outsiders DVOA in defense and listen to what some of these guys did Justin Herbert 264 yards four touchdowns 7.76 yards per attempt Justin Jackson 15 carries 71 yards six targets caught five of them for 23 yards Allen had that touchdown in 29 yards before the injury Mike Williams five grabs 109 yards and two touchdowns Hunter Henry found the end zone and got eight targets obviously juiced a little bit by Keenan Allen being out but still the eight targets a nice number especially with the state of the tight end position Is this Chargers offense with Justin Herbert at the helm suddenly up and down pretty reliable week in and week out from a fantasy perspective? Well, I think with Herbert being capable of taking a shot downfield, several shots downfield effectively within any game plan, that opens things up for the offense as a whole, makes them more dangerous, definitely gives them a higher ceiling week to week. I think the thing I'm wondering about with the Chargers right now isn't, you know, how good is the offense overall, but is Josh Kelly in danger of losing a significant share of the touches Mm -hmm. to Justin Jackson? I mean, 3.3 yards per carry, 
was where Kelly was going into last night's game. He brought that down. He went 11 times for 29 yards. I mean, that's brutal. Like that's a that's a major concern if you're a Josh Josh Kelly manager right now trying to use him every week at least as a flex play. He's just not doing a lot with the opportunities he's been given. He's not catching a ton of passes either. I think what we have to be concerned about most with Joshua Kelly uh, after what we saw against the Saints is that what we thought going into that game, what we thought the breakdown of duties was going to be, clearly is not set in stone. And this could be a hot hand situation. Maybe it's a situation where uh, Anthony Lynn is comfortable letting one of the guys run away with it if he proves himself capable of doing it. And when we went into that game, we thought, all right, Joshua Kelly is in some sort of Melvin Gordon type of role. Uh, Justin Jackson is in some sort of Austin Eckler type of role, and they will reprise those roles until Eckler returns, if Eckler's able to return this season, and that'll be that. And we felt relatively comfortable with it, even though we knew that there was some possibility that that would change. The fact that they went with the hot hand in Justin Jackson shows you that this team is not married to anything, and now it looks a lot like the other backfield in Los Angeles uh, with the Rams and Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown and all those guys mixing and matching and basically putting you in a position where all those guys need to be rostered, but none of them is a comfortable start week in and week out, and that's looking like where the Chargers are right now. You're happy to have them to turn to, but you're not going to be really trusting them as regular starters. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are out there, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere where you can leave a rating, a review, and subscribe to us, please do that. We would greatly appreciate it. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening, and have a great day.